Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio production. When it works, computers were a bad idea. They were a terrible idea. Yes, they are. Yeah. I think how should... they, how's it made my life better? It hasn't, I say. I have. No. I, I cannot think of a single reason minus everything that I do. If we yeah. had done this in, in the with... postal service like I wanted to, it would have been done by now. <laughs> <laughs> we could have written letters and mailed them to each other and compiled them into a scrapbook and. Uh, Hand copied uh, a version we for could've. every one of our listeners and mailed it to them, and it would have been fine. We 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 would you know they wouldn't even be able to see us from such great heights. One might <laughs> say. So. so I mean, I, so what would be what would be the uh, before technology equivalent of a podcast? Before technology or like before just talking computers? To because before <laughs> computers, it would have just been radio. Radio. Yeah. So before radio. So we're talking 1800s, 1700s. I mean, they would have lectures and stuff like that. Like, that's what Mark Twain did. Like, Mark Twain. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ch- Charles Dickens would just basically go around and read his own short stories, which was like a hell of a way to get a podcast. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, what you'd be doing nowadays. would be like, and the Charles Dickens podcast. Like, <laughs> party podcast. You know, What's 87 a part Oliver Twist. <laughs> I, Dickens is always my example whenever people get uppity about uh, like things like Christmas and I'm like yeah motherfucker if it wasn't for Dickens yassholes wouldn't even be celebrating Christmas right now because nobody fucking did because nobody it's, cared about Christmas the, before Dickens who gets uppity Listen, about Christmas people Listen, get uppity about Christmas like, like oh you, well, tell you. Well, okay. which I, <laughs> I, I, I oh, sorry go ahead I love some aspects of uh, of Christmas but it's mostly bullshit Sure. I mean, it is what you make of it, and uh, I typically make nothing of it. But now I have a family, so I make a thing of it. 
I mean, not now. I've had a family for the past eight years, but <laughs> like I enjoy so, the the you know the the lights in the dark uh, aspect and the you know the the family aspect and whatnot. But the gift giving and the the shopping and the mostly the music, terrible, hate it. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, I don't know, like I'm, I'm fine with. Christmas. I like, I like Christmas. I enjoy it. it's a fun thing. I think, I think I understand when you, when you say update, I think you mean like you know the people who take it too seriously. Like I'm, a, as a person who is, who is non-religious, like I'm actually fine with the phrase "Merry Christmas" because I feel it's been so commercialized that it is essentially meaningless. Yeah. If, like if yeah. you want it to be, like it, it, it can, it simultaneously can have a profound religious meaning, but it's also just like a thing people say in the United States of America if you're around that time. So. That being said, like, I try and be respectful and, like, you know, if a person says Merry Christmas to me, I'll say Merry Christmas to back and I'm not offended. But, like, if I'm not sure, I'll usually say Happy Holidays. And every once in a while, you're like, oh, hey, you know, have a Happy Holiday. And, like, the person stops and they're like, Merry Christmas. That's like, geez, like. <laughs> yeah. War on Christmas. War on Christmas. <laughs> it's like, and th- those are the people that I bring up the Dickens thing, too, especially the War on Christmas people. The people who are like, this is a harder tradition. You'd be like, yeah, but not for as long as you think, my dude. Oh my like. God. Some of the actual Christmas traditions I could get into, like uh, drunkenly like tearing up the town and like wrecking people's houses and like yelling at oh, them and yeah. stuff. What kind of what yeah. kind of Christmas did, did you have? <laughs> Your Christmases I, are very very different than my Christmases. I'm also a big fan of the haunting old rich people with chains thing. I think that is a tradition we need to bring back. That Dickens really brought it. That just that was the one Dickens tradition that did not catch on. That is yeah, actually, I think we no, I love, that, actually love that whole story. That novella, yeah. uh, Christmas Carol, one of my favorites. <laughs> Telling ghost stories in the dark of the solstice is actually a fucking great idea. No, it's and a great idea. Like, why did we ever let go of that? It's the second Halloween. I mean, I mean, yes. Yeah, so my my favorite <laughs> Christmas story classics are are probably number one, uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, and number two, uh, A Christmas Girl by Charles Dickens. Love it, fantastic. Why do I why do I not remember Gawain being? A, I guess because I never actually read it. So so Gawain and the Green Knight is actually <laughs> like its origins take place like in the Celtic aspect of King Arthur as opposed to the French mm-hmm. aspect, which most people are familiar with. That's where Lancelot comes from. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so so it's got it's got Celtic origins and like it's just this kind of thing where like uh, it's it's Christmas time and King Arthur has a tradition he won't he won't start Christmas until basically. <laughs> Go on. I have that record. I can put I'm that on right now. For you. No, it'll you get DMCA. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Um so so yeah, like so like he's he's like, no, no one's allowed to start the Christmas feast until something weird happens. Then a knight in green armor comes in and he's like, I'll beat you all up. He's like, I'll like I'll take any blow from you. Um, but you've got to take a blow from you from a year later. And they're like, What if we kill you? He's like, Then you kill me. So Gawain's like, fine, I'll do it, and chops his head off, and then, like, the knight goes over and, like, picks up his head after it rolls around a bit, and is like, ah, I'll see you in a year, like, you gotta come to my house now, and then I'm gonna mess you up, buddy, like, watch your back, like, so Gawain then leaves, and, and like, I am not lying, not, like, I mean, no, I, I'm I remember kind of shortening and embellishing, now. but, like, this is, uh, Tolkien, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien actually did a translation of this, um, but yeah, this is, this is 100%, this is 100% real, it's, uh, it's a real stories. I mean, maybe, really maybe it's a real, real story. Maybe it's a true story. Like maybe it actually happened. Like I believe it. 
You know, I believe maybe, it. Maybe, I believe maybe people just look a lot tougher back then in the day. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I, uh... that's that's the that's the framing device for Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, and that is a good start to a Christmas story. Like that's a that's a great Christmas story. It's like, well, now that we've cut off somebody's head and he picked it up and like walked out of here saying he's going to kick our ass in a year, like <laughs> cut the turkey, ma. <laughs> I fucking love it. I've never read it, but as soon as you said that, I remember the story. That's, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, like. Bring back those Christmas traditions. That's that's a good Christmas tradition. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we're here, and the first thing I want to say is, first off, we want to apologize that uh, uh, our YouTube won't be a thing. Uh, we'll still have the YouTube video up, but you won't see our lovely faces this time because technology is stupid, mm-hmm, and somebody mm-hmm. shouldn't invent a better Zoom competitor. Um, that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And they call me Caleb. <laughs> My and name we, is John. <laughs> and we have a special guest with us. We we have a returning guest uh who is the fourth time are you a fourth timer now? Three timer, so, four timer? We did we did uh we did Shaolin, we yeah. did Mystery of Chess Boxing, we did Zonwitchy. Yeah. Uh, now, yes, this is my fourth time, and I, I got my fifth one lined up. Whenever, whenever that's uh, oh yeah, that'll ready, that'll so. be a December or January thing, absolutely. Okay. Right. Uh, so we have, of course, uh, John Ryan is back. Oh, actually, this would be your fifth time. Uh, would be your sixth time oh, we did the Dungeons because and Dragons. of Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Yeah, that was yeah. terrible. Yeah, that was yeah, <laughs> that's an awful <laughs> movie. This is appearance number five. Well, uh, number six, right? No, that's, this is when five. Do I, when do I get equity? I don't know. I don't count. Uh, you, you could absolutely. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Anyways, so um, <laughs> I mean, you're technically uh, part of the team. All right. Yeah. So we, uh, so we are in November right now. So last month uh, we celebrated uh, Caleb's birthday, um, Me. and uh, for the entire month we focused on Caleb. Um, and this month we're gonna focus on me. So I have chosen. Uh, I get five movies this time, so I kind of get a better deal. Uh, also, you you definitely get the better deal because we have to start focusing on you, and it's literally two days before my actual birthday. And you know how hard this is for me. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, so, so for you guys, it's November first. For us, it's it's uh, October twenty fifth or twenty so fourth. Who picked this movie? Who who picked like? I picked this movie. You picked this movie. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, as you guys can see, you probably saw by the title and stuff. The name of this movie is "They Call Me Bruce." And, uh, or in um, in some versions, it's they call me Bruce. <laughs> they call me Bruce. <laughs> um, yeah. So so this movie, and and one thing we do want to talk about this movie is this movie was uh, written by Johnny Yoon, uh, who is also the star. Uh, Johnny Yoon plays um, both Bruce and the grandfather, which mm-hmm, is pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but uh, Johnny Yoon actually passed this year in March. Oh, no. uh, yeah, Johnny Yoon passed away. Um, he was, uh, I can't see right now how old he was, but, uh, well, he, he passed away in March of this year. He, he was born, uh, he's a feller October baby. He was born October 22nd of 1936. Oh, wow. Ah. Okay. So that's, yeah. uh, 84? Uh, Is my math correct? Well, yeah, 60, yeah, 84. Yeah. Hey, look at that. So, uh, but yeah. So, uh, they call me Bruce. So we watched this movie on Tubi TV. Um, at least I, I did. Uh, yep, I don't know where same. you guys but all yep, watched yep. it. Yeah. So, uh, Tubi, our friends over at Tubi TV, this movie is streaming for free. Um, and the general premise is that basically Johnny Yoon is, or Bruce is a, well, he's not even Bruce. His name is Yoon in the movie, but everyone <laughs> calls him Bruce. 
um, uh, because it's racist. And uh, they, uh, but basically he uh, ends up being a drug mule uh, and hilarity ensues. Um, so content warning out of the way, uh, very light swearing, a little bit of, I mean, very cartoonish slapstick violence. Uh, but there is a lot of sexual references in this movie. You see boobs, you see, uh, sexual accoutrements, um, here and there. I know. Right. (laughs) That's what I like to call them. Sexual accoutrements. It just sounds fancier than being like, they're sex toys. There's fucking dildos. There's a you look at the dildo over here. Yep. I, I, I should say that like the the rainbow of racism applied in this film was just oh, yeah. truly astonishing. Like it was racist and offensive in so many different ways. In so I mean like Italians, it, Jews, it, it might have included black a lot people. of minorities. I mean, there was an above average amount of minorities in this film for an eighties movie, but then no. it, it somehow made the situation worse. And, <laughs> Like, I, it was, you know, this movie was made in in uh, 1982, and yeah, it, so uh, it's it's almost the same age we are, and uh, yeah. aged even more poorly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, this movie probably doesn't have as hard a time getting up, but you know. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I okay, we'll we'll get to that in the end. So. The movie starts off with, uh, I mean, there's so many references to a lot of different, uh, you know, like kung fu type films and like those those like martial art type tropes in this movie. But I think what it does a really clever job of is dad jokes is using is using them as dad jokes. It's (laughs) using them as as the butt of jokes instead of being like, let me just make a funny, you know, kung fu movie like this. You know, it definitely makes fun of kung fu movies. (laughs) Like. I like I, I, yeah. hot take incoming. I mean, you don't think they they know what they're doing, like um, like something like it was. It was there like it's. I I wish I'd had a chance to read up on the movie more. I, I watched it last night, and and uh, when when Caleb told me he's like, oh hey, this is the movie you need to watch for this. Uh, I remember my little brother really liking this movie. Uh, Weird, in, like the like early mid nineties, like kind of like around there, that time frame. like he saw it and just, and just, he thought it was funny or something like that. And I didn't pay any attention. I don't think I ever like watched the whole thing, but like I was watching it now. I'm like, why would my parents let him watch this? This is, <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> um, I don't like, Weird. there's definitely the Bruce Lee. Element. Like I, I think it was going for specifically parody of like Bruce Lee kind of style stuff. And also like, the specific thing that that was that was a long time thing where it's like if you're Asian you automatically know martial arts like that yep. is you right. know it's like oh like he literally says like I'm I'm he says I'm Oriental like and, and just like that's yeah. what people like whoa oh my god like this guy must in my face and but he doesn't and I think that's what's funny about it is that he he's playing into the stereotype in a funny way I you know I mean the thing about this movie to me is like. So this is uh, this is this movie came out about four or five years after uh, Jackie Chan did Drunken Master. So the whole idea of mixing comedy and martial arts is still very new, um, you know, to this where Jackie Chan was kind of the only person really doing it. Maybe Sammo Hung at the time. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I feel like had this movie come out maybe like three years later, uh, it, I mean, it already was a commercial success. This movie was a commercial success. It released in over 300 uh theaters and and is considered a, a success um but i feel like it would have been even more so 
had it come out a few years later, like after Jackie Chan had really kind of like snowballed it. So, so my feeling, okay, so I've, I've had a time to kind of, uh, I don't know, coalesce my thoughts here. Um, I feel it's more a comedy with martial arts and, and Kung Fu cinema as window dressing. Like it is like a side dish. The main thing seems to be that I swear to God, like Johnny Yoon went to like a Don Rickles comedy show and like oh, Don 100%. Rickles dropped a book of like rejected jokes and he picked it up and he's like solid gold like these are all going <laughs> in my script like yeah there's just so many corny one-liners like that and just so, so oh, many weird so things that many. like aren't really explained like his grandfather is dying and he's like the secret of life is broads and like <laughs> which is the best like, he's like the secret he's like what uh, money is not an object about a thing the secret to life is broads. broads. This movie yeah. had then, what then is like, probably my new favorite dad joke of all time. My grandfather had a dying wish. What's what that? that? To stay alive. <laughs> that was one of the better ones. That was one of the better Don Rickles jokes. I, the other one was the, uh, uh, um, uh, do you have a girlfriend? Uh, no, I'm a sex object. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, every time I ask a girl to have sex, they object. <laughs> it's, just, it's like another great Again, like, time. all these, like, Don Rickles, like, you know, 1960s, like, kind of, like, you know, ha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha, you know. <laughs> no, they totally are. But it was 1982. Um, yeah, there's there's just so much stuff that just goes unexplained. This like, I mean, they, they at, frankly, for the first half of the year, I think you can make an equal case that this is trying to parody, like, The Godfather and the spate of mob movies that have come out in the last decade. Yeah. Because, uh, like, they, they literally, like, you know, are sitting down doing all the, like, mob stuff. Like, it was like, what kind of movie are you trying to make here? Well, instead of Fredo, it was Freddy. For the Fredo, it was Freddy. Like, they even say, like, you know, Capo, Sleep of the Fishes. Like, they're, 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 you I'll know. Make you an offer I can't refuse. Lingo, <laughs> yeah. They never yeah. really explain how he got a job cooking Italian food in the mob <laughs> boss's mansion. And, like, I mean, it was parody, obviously, but, like, I, I like that at one point he gets stopped from having nunchucks when it, several times you see people with, like, bazookas and AK-47s just walking around <laughs> <laughs> on the outside of this guy's house. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's just, like, it, it's, it's fine, but, like, be logically consistent. <laughs> like, it's... Which, well, I, one of the other things that I thought was funny is that is that throughout the movie, like it, you definitely learn that that uh, Bruce, the character of Bruce, um, doesn't actually know martial arts. Like he even says, like, "Oh, I'm gonna go learn martial arts." But what's funny about that is all the white people in the movie do know martial arts yeah, and are doing them. martial arts, except for the Asian guy who's not doing martial arts. I thought that was I thought that was on purpose. The the FBI had a crack squad of like four people. <laughs> Who just like yes. hidden objects or disguise themselves as various things like Harry Krishna's, and yeah. then just like beat the shit out of like mob guys. Uh, it was really I, like surreal. And like you, you watch movies like this uh, from or from you know, from like the eighties and nineties, and it just like I don't know if it was really like this because I wasn't old enough to really well. First of all, to go places, but second of all, to be observant. Like, but it kind of makes you think that the, the Krishnas were just fucking everywhere. <laughs> like that's what I said. Like you I've couldn't walk out your, head your door without you know bumping they, they, into a the Krishna. Krishnas used to be a lot bigger back then. I have some memories of the Krishnas, and they used to like I, I have memories of when Krishna core was a thing. Um, like, so which was like, hardcore about Hari Krishna okay. and okay. You know, Krishna that's, consciousness. That's what I thought. That. That's that was amazing. <laughs> dude, go listen to some Shelter. Uh, like legit. I'm not kidding. I swear to God, I'm not kidding. Like. Krishna Kaur was a thing. There were the whole bunch of bands who like would sing about Krishna consciousness and 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 
and that was a thing. Um, but yeah, like they just like airports or whatnot. Like it's Hare yep. Krishna is essentially like a. I mean, a I saw airplane. I know Buddha. that they're an airport. They're, they're, they're a Hindu <laughs> denomination. Yeah, I gave it the office. Yeah, yeah. great joke. <laughs> Yeah. That's see, that's the kind of stuff I think that's what they were going for, but they just didn't quite reach those lofty heights. Yeah. No. Well, it's also I mean, this movie also came out right around the si- uh, same time as the Cannonball Run, so it's it's very much in that like, which trying to throw in a bunch of different jokes. Which, by the way, Jackie Chan Johnny is in Yoon. Cannonball, and Johnny, Johnny Yoon was in, in as the well. Cannonball Run. Yeah. 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 Like it's, it's it was trying to be like so like it goes from being like. It starts off where it's like, oh, this is going to be pretty kung fu movies. Then it turns into a parody of mob movies. Then it turns into a road movie. And it's just like, what's what's going on here? Like, oh, where, yeah. where are we going with this, guys? So so let's <laughs> also, start at the beginning. Also, he's like a 40-year-old man who's like, who's like, I need to find this girl who's going to take care of me. <laughs> like, right. You live by yourself? <laughs> so th- th- there so was obviously a, like a massive time jump. All right, uh, Michael. So we'll start at the beginning of the movie, and the first thing we see is uh, quite possibly um, the catchiest racist song I've ever heard in my life, I uh, where it's like, run, oriental boy, run, <laughs> like the very first song in the movie, and it's also in the end of the movie. I and missed it. See, and so it's the whole beginning of the movie where you see <laughs> little Bruce running, and it's like Oriental boy, run, run, run. I also, I, also like, I felt like he was that kid was clearly running in like the Hollywood Hills. Like that was clearly oh, just yeah, like yeah. he was hundred percent in California. So, so the kid runs. He gets back to his grandfather, who you know looks like the typical long white bearded you know Shifu type character, and uh, you know he's dying, and, and he's like, I'm sorry, you know the the doctor wasn't there. I couldn't get your medicine, like. You know, you know, granddad, what's going on? And he gives him the great line of like, the secret to life isn't money. The secret is broads. <laughs> and then, you know, he says, you know, you need to go to America. And uh, I, he's like, I went to America and I fell in love with this woman. And you need to go to America and find this woman and she'll take care of you and, and she'll love you. And he's like, well, how do I find her? And he goes, here. And he's just like out he's of got, like, off an camera. ancient scroll for some reason. Like, yeah. he didn't have a pencil and a piece of paper. Right. He goes, here. And so now we fast forward 40 years where yeah. it was weird. Like, it's, he's not like a teenager. Remind me to bring up something about this at the end, which really bothered me. Like, will do. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. It's going to have to be Michael because I promise I won't remember. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. So he, uh, so so now we see that he's he's in this mob boss uh, uh, Italian house. Who the 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 leader of this house, by the way, sounds like Chico Marx. He has the most like <laughs> fake. Everybody, the accents in this film were terrible. They, they were so, so funny because he was like, "What do you do? Are you talking to me like this?" Uh, you know, it's just the very like he just. <laughs> Perfect, like Chico Marx, but like everyone else at the table is just like, "Hey, I'm I'm a New York Italian guy, and I talk normal." And he's like, "I don't know what you could do to be. What do you do?" <laughs> and it was just very like so over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, so it brings up the point about like the sleeping with the fishes. So we go to the the big boss. Uh, who well, don't, don't you know, forget they all they all say racist things to to Johnny Yoon for like five oh, minutes. Right. Like they're just all, yeah. like, so. Well, this is where he pasta. gets his name. Yeah. yeah. Because like, like, why, why are you calling like me Bruce? Bruce? My, you know, my name is Yoon, and like, because you look like Bruce Lee, and if I call you Bruce, your name is Bruce. 
Like, okay, I guess that, I mean, that yeah, logic checks like, out. Right, like, yeah, uh, okay, I, I guess so. I mean, granted, you're all standing around with AK-47s and bazookas, <laughs> so you can call me whatever the fuck you want. Don't shoot my face off. Yeah, so Bruce Tell me whatever is, you want as long as the check clears. <laughs> so Bruce is the the chef, um, and he is he is making making the noodles, and he uh, you know he gives him the old oh actually China invented spaghetti and Marco Polo brought it back to you know Italy and you guys put pasta sauce on it and then sure. it it became noodles. And they were like, nah, what do you talk about? Uh? <laughs> and then they were like, well, what do you put in this to make it taste so good? He goes, it's dog meat. And of course, they all spit it out. And he's like, that's a joke. And it was very funny. That's the record um, scratches. Like, they didn't really yeah, scratch, really. I feel like that was that scene. Like, whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Th- then, we get the, then we get my favorite montage. Other mob guys we don't know who are like literally walking in with like briefcases going like, hello, fellow mob boss. Like, I'm here with the illegal goods. Do you have the money? And like, then, then like, turns out all the waiters and the cooks are FBI agents just beat the shit out of these guys. Yeah. And that's when we also get the, the Hare Krishna scene. The throwing star to the forehead. Yeah. The throwing star to the forehead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You have the right to an attorney. If you can't afford one, uh, I'm available. Uh, I'm available. What's the line? <laughs> was there one more, or was it just the Harry Krishnas and the and the and the Italian restaurant? Like I feel like it, like it's like it's like okay, now here's another thing with and and again like they drive up and are like, hey, oh, hey, yeah, I'm hey, walking yeah. in, forget about it. And then like the Harry Krishnas just start beating the shit out of these guys, yeah, and then taking I, off their 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 skull caps. But that was, was the most. Th- oh my god, it was the most <laughs> brilliant scene ever because. So the one takes off his thing and he has the gold hair and then the woman takes it off and then the one guy takes it off and he's bald under the hair. I, I, that was actually my favorite joke in the entire thing. The guy took it off it and was, he had the same haircut. Yeah, it was it great. It was such a brilliant, like, what a brilliant sight gag. Like, absolutely fucking hilarious brilliant sight gag. I, that, was that, my, was that, was, like, that was my favorite joke in the whole thing. It was, it was like the set, it was like, that was like the second or third joke where I was like, this movie's fucking hilarious. Like, I am so pleased with my choice. <laughs> um, oh my god, it's so funny. So, so Bruce, so so we see Bruce. You know, we, we understand he's the cook, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I want to be like Bruce Lee." And we get the the idea that the, these guys are smuggling coke. So we've got we've got all our elements in place now uh, of like what the story is, and we see that Bruce kind of is like. He's a goofy guy. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. He's a goofy guy. No, I was gonna say I forgot because then they show like the big mob boss who's like back east in New York and mm-hmm. he's like petting a cat and like he eats a fish with our hands and it turns into a James Bond parody then. Like because they're literally yeah. paying like James Bond music because he's stroking the cat. Like there's so many movies they're trying they're trying to parody with this thing. So I just I just remembered I remembered that. Like so well, he's, his beard he's, was it, fake, right? Oh, it was totally fake. Oh, that was a totally fake beard, yeah. And then, like, yeah. he's threatening him. He's like, he's like, hey, like, your boys keep on getting the shit beat out of them by Harry Krishnas and whatnot. Like, <laughs> this next shipment doesn't go without a hitch. Like, you're Kung with Fu the fishes. Cl- Kung he- Fu clowns. So he, yeah, it's Kung Fu So he takes a goldfish out of his tank and bites it in half and says something to the effect of, this is the last fish I'm going to eat. Next <laughs> meal I have will be you. You. If you screw up again, I'll make sashimi meat out of you. Also, that took like a minute and a half. So, like, seriously, for like a minute and a half, that other guy was just like on the phone while he had like swooping noises <laughs> like, and like so gross. just nothing going on. It was, just like, just like, just like, you know, like, let me see what's so going to happen to you. It's like, 
he can't he can't see what's going on. He doesn't have access to the camera. He's just listening to you making slurping noises. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they were just also like staring at him. Slurping like, noises going on. Ominous slurping noises. Ominous slurping. That's what the subtitles probably say. Pray continue, uh, Michael. <laughs> so uh so we get our establishing uh, of all of this we we see kind of what's going on we see that you know the fbi is hot on the tail of, of this mob group uh we see bruce is just the chef and so uh we learn that the the uh, idea and this actually comes a little later in the movie but we learn that what they want to do is they're uh they're basically after the big mob boss threatens them the idea is, is they want to get their super special cocaine and drop it off at several locations from here to new york um, so the idea is, is that they're going to try to get Bruce to, you know, unwittingly deliver this cocaine, thinking that he's delivering flour, special Chinese flour, because he's such a great cook. Um, so he's going to try to deliver it to all these places. Now, before all this happens, we do get an instance where, um, where you know, he he has the dream of like, you know, uh, beating people up and like being strong. So he goes to the Taekwondo studio to uh, learn martial arts, which was also full of like, it, it definitely was like instances where they were trying to pull off airplane type, you know, dragnet type gags. And some were, some were hits, some were misses. But a fun fact about that dojo, that is the exact same dojo where they filmed the Karate Kid film. I thought I recognized it. I literally was, was like, yeah. it's like the dojo from the Karate Kid. So most of that scene is just incredibly cheesy and forced. But yeah. the life cereal commercial bit was great. It's There's so a, subtle. An extra named Mikey that they reference once prior to this, and then uh, the the uh, master of the dojo tries to uh, tell Bruce that if he you know he, he centers himself and like finds inner peace, he can punch through the wall. And Bruce is like, "Well, I can't do that. You should do that." And he's like, "I'm not going to do that. I'm the master. I'm not going to try it. You try it." I'm not gonna try it. You try it. Well, let's have Mikey do it. He'll try anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was just like a an in passing joke, and it's such a subtle little joke. But it was again, you would need to be alive uh, in the 1980s to remember that. Because uh, <laughs> to you know, remember that, uh, yeah, because that's the thing. Well, I mean, they, they have that commercial back now again, except Mikey is a girl this time. It's a little girl named Mikey. Oh, it's uh, back. But that commercial nice. is back. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's really funny that they like that was such an in passing line. Like just the reference to that was was fantastic, um, uh, but yeah. So uh, then he so goes, Bruce, to the, goes to the liquor store. Yep. Then he goes to the liquor store. Well, that was after he gets his chopsticks or his uh, <laughs> his <laughs> nunchucks <laughs> from from the thing. They give him the nunchucks. But there was like the there there was a couple of jokes that landed or that didn't land or did land uh uh in that dojo scene is so one of them is, is the master's there and he's talking about how you have to have self control and you have to be centered and then the phone rings he goes excuse me and he's like what are you talking i w- the next time i see you i'm going to kick your ass blah, blah, he yells at the phone then he comes back he goes okay now we need to have control <laughs> <laughs> and then we get that reference later when he comes back out with the sword uh, you know, threatening Bruce, and he's like, "Master, you are not in control." <laughs> <laughs> also, he's wearing the T-shirt that looked like a karate gi. That was a nice touch, and so. I love that. And he wears that for most of the movie. Up he does. Until, yeah. uh, he up, goes up, on his up road until trip. It becomes a road movie, right? All right, right. <laughs> and then which he's is, got a costume change every five half, minutes. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 
Oh, man. Uh, so we also learn about Freddy. Uh, Freddy is our Fredo character who is, you know, trying to make a name for himself with uh, uh, with the boss. And then we also learn about Big Al and Lil Pete. Hmm. So Big Al is a uh, basically a mob boss that is trying to usurp the throne of Lil Pete, right? Yes. Sure. Let's yeah, say yes. It, it, whatever. Doesn't Little matter. Pete's like the, the local boss of, of the West Coast territory for this, yeah. this mafia. And uh, Big Al wants to muscle in. Wants to muscle in. And, uh, um, oh, I do want to reference. So Bruce at one point goes to a bar. Uh, and the bartender that's there is none other than Porky himself. Uh, the guy Porky from the movie Porky's. Jesus Christ. Uh, all right. I thought that was a fun little... Uh, Fun little thing. Have you seen Porky's, Caleb? No, I have not. Por- Porky's is uh, Animal House for people who hate themselves. <laughs> I was going to say Grease without the music and more boobs. <laughs> really? Just like, <laughs> so, if, if, you, if you liked Animal House, but you had more tits and less humor, like Porky's. <laughs> Here's the thing. So I was definitely not allowed to watch that movie when I was a kid. I know Michael was no, watching yeah. Softcore on HBO. I was hundred percent like watching that movie, <laughs> but like <laughs> I wasn't out there watching Porky's. I so like thankfully it was one of the things where like I saw bits of like like National Lampoons or whatnot. Then those like Porky's would come on, and my parents my parents would do, do a thing that I do now where it's like it's like you know I was like oh like can I watch this like no why not because it's bad like <laughs> right <laughs> and it is it's I mean there terrible. is a lot of like nudity like full frontal full on. You know, it's not a kid's film, let me tell you. I, I just told you. I You can <laughs> let me tell you, but I already did it. I, I refuse I to allow it. Don't tell me. <laughs> Can't be uh, allowed. Also, so, something that ticked me off. Uh, so, so Big Al was going to muscle in, like, he for some reason is going out with this, like, you know, workout chick who's, like, also a martial artist or whatnot, and I'm like no way that this girl would ever be with this guy. Like, I don't care what level of the Margo mom Hemingway. he's at. What, it is Margot Hemingway. Yeah, Margot like, Hemingway, yeah. It is Margot Hemingway, but, like, I'm just like, no, like, this is one of those stupid things that I hate about, like, old movies where it's like, there is no reason for you to be with this guy other than the plot demands it. Like, Power. what does this sack of crap have to offer you? Literally the elite-level martial artist, disguise artist physical peak specimen like you know you literally beat the shit out of him in the first scene you have with him i know <laughs> like, definitely it, does. it's just like there's no reason for you to be with this guy he's obviously just like like a chain around your neck so but she wants the power that comes with being boss of the west that's it she sees him as as their path to being the mob boss wife deal yeah but like so I, she can do better that's all that's all i'm saying like <laughs> She implies, though, that in the past she had done better because she she uh, she fat shames Big Al pretty hard. Yeah, she, she does she a should, lot. Like so, right? Like so, I, you guys probably don't read any John Le Carre, but like nope. he, he does these spy novels, and they they're led McCreans by the fact that he was an actual spy for a while. But like his books tend to have this like really serious flaw for me, where like there's always like some young, a beautiful, attractive girl who for no reason. Uh, falls in love and or has sex with like a 50 year old like middle aged portly man for like no reason like other than the plot demands it so like there's literally one where like they're like hey we need to give you cover as a communist so we're gonna have you uh, you know a 47 year old alcoholic obese you know office worker get fired start working at this like basically like charity bookshop <laughs> for minimum <laughs> wage next to this like 19 year old agent of the uh, you know 
19-year-old communist girl and just get her to fall in love with you, and he does nothing to change his personality. He's just a surly drunk, and for some reason she's like, well, you're my boyfriend now. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, like, thank goodness this surly drunk 47-year-old... Part-time living in a studio apartment has come into my life. I had so little before. <laughs> I'm tired of all the so, football players. And that's all I could think of was watching this word. Like, you know, this like swarthy, like, you know, swarthy mob boss with like the shitty, like stereotypical, back, like, yeah. like slick back, like, you know, mob guy hair or whatnot, you know. Looking like oh, man. <laughs> Gut hanging out and whatnot, and just like, just like, what do you have to offer this woman? Anyway, so so now we've we've got all our elements for a uh, for for our road trip. Now now that we've got everything out of the way, it now becomes a road trip movie. So before we do that, uh, let's go to a commercial break. But before we do that. Oh. Uh, we want to remind you that we have an amazing website where you can purchase uh, Night Shift Radio gear. Not only Never Heard of It gear, uh, where there is uh, shirts and dog masks, or dog masks? Masks that are dogs. No, not dog masks. No. There are face masks and dog hoodies and coffee mugs and all sorts of other things. But uh, Caleb, what is that website? Oh, I don't... Uh, we, we have a website? I think someone is in charge of buying websites. Some oh, was sort I of suppo- operations manager. Was I supposed to make a website? <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, I guess I, I better get on that. Uh, I'll just uh, quickly uh, make up uh, nsrad.io slash merch. You just uh, thought of that off the top of your head? Just right off the top of my head. Like That's that that's what I would genius. do if I was going to make a merch store. Uh, so I'll, I'll make that. Click-a-click-click-click-click-click. Uh... <laughs> there it is. It's up. It's live. <laughs> so, so nsrad.io slash merch. Uh, or, of course, I'm sure you could just find that on our uh, parent company website, nightshiftradio.com. Oh, yeah, you, uh, you, you could do that. In fact, yeah. uh, you can definitely do that. <laughs> I really hope the clickety clacks pick up on the other end. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, that so, joke was terrible. It was terrible. They'd just be like, why'd they stop talking in the middle of that punchline? Based um, on John's face, the joke was terrible already. So, <laughs> so uh, I, yeah. I and then, nothing. of course, <laughs> the big one is uh, if you have not subscribed yet, please go ahead and uh, hit subscribe. And uh, leave a rating and review if your podcatcher of choice has that option. We super appreciate it. Uh, But until then, we're heading off to a break. We will be right back. You're listening to a Night Shift Radio production. Night Shift Radio is a modern media company bringing you shows that entertain, inform, and most importantly, provide an escape. Never Heard of It dives into the world of bad, obscure, and sometimes just weird movies. Follow along with the crew of Set Condition 1 as they experience the 2004 sci-fi hit Battlestar Galactica, one episode at a time. Each week on Left of the Dial, we explore a new record or revisit an old favorite. We'll bring in guests to talk about their own music and the state of the industry. The Superpod HeroCast. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. They draw a random comic-inspired movie from Thor's helmet and offer thorough, insightful, and humorous commentary. And once a month, tune into the Storyteller series and get lost in the magic of a good old-fashioned radio drama. Learn more about these fine shows at nightshiftradio.com and subscribe on your favorite platform. Hello and welcome back, everyone. Uh, now that you have purchased your uh, Night Shift Radio hoodie, your Never Heard of It shirt, uh, your Super Pod Hero Cast mug, 
your set condition one face mask and your left of the dial pet hoodie and your storyteller series. I don't know. Bookmark. I don't know what they got. (laughs) We should make bookmarks. We should make bookmarks for storyteller series. That would make sense. One thing you can't get from our merch store is this exclusive one of a kind pen that I have uh, that was sent to me as a promotional item. It's uh, It's from the pen 15 club, right? Yeah, yeah. You got it right in your forehead. <laughs> Found it in your pocket. And it's, it says Night Shift Radio LLC, St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, that's us. That's, well, that's, that's us. our parent company, but we're that's, that's also <laughs> us. Uh, okay, so we're back, and we're back with the uh, um, road trip, road trip movie. So, so the the mom boss decides that they're going to send Freddie and. Um, uh, Bruce across country to drop off this hidden Coke. Uh, but what we've learned is that Big Al learns about this, uh, <laughs> learns about this, this sort of plan. And so he sends Margot Hemingway uh, off to basically intercept him. And uh, she is going to sabotage by swapping the Coke with actual flour so that Freddie fucks up, little Pete fucks up. Everybody dies. Big L takes over. And and, um, and to make the flower part make sense, because the what they do is that they so like Bruce beats the shit out of these people. In in uh, <laughs> he doesn't. He goes to a liquor yeah. store, um, and and the liquor store is being robbed, and he pulls out his nunchucks and just flails them wildly, and happens to disable this person while also knocking himself out, and he winds up making the news as like you know. The, the, the liquor store owner, the package store owner is just like, oh, this guy's fantastic. He's just like Bruce Lee. Again, continuing that theme. And then, so they realize that like, hey, if everybody thinks that, you know, this guy's traveling, this this oriental person is traveling, you know, with our thing, nobody's going to mess with him, which is clearly right. not true. Like, everybody messes with him. Everybody messes with him. And also, it's like, it's like you know, like, what's... <laughs> this is part of my problem with the movie is just like, hey, this person who actually has no skills, like, we'll just send him across the country and, you know. People, but they actually believe that he that he That's has fair. They skills. do. They, they, they believe yeah, he they has think those that skills. He does. Everybody so does what, except for him. What actually makes me angry about this plan, uh about specifically about Big L's portion of the plan, where he's gonna he, he's gonna uh swap out the uh the, the coke for the flower and get uh, get little Pete and all his gang in trouble is that the boss specifically said he would kill everyone in the room if they fucked up one more time. And Big Al was in that room. Big Al was in the room at the table as like the number two guy. I mean, uh, we've already learned also, Big Al ain't so smart. Also, what do you like? I mean, you kill your entire like managerial staff like that. I mean, like, we can <laughs> replace those guys with like, I mean, you're really like not a mass in any better position. I was just like, well, well, then what? What's your plan then? Like, you just magically have more people who have all these contacts? Like, I mean, it's not very well thought out. That's it's, what a, it's like. a poor plan. You know, this is this is <laughs> this is my bottom three mob movies of all time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious what the other two in the bottom three are. <laughs> I don't know. I, ironically, top ten road movie though. It's weird. <laughs> Number one, things to do in Denver when you're dead. Uh, <laughs> Buckwheat's gym. Buckwheat's for all of them. Uh, anyway, uh. so 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 they head off on the road, uh, and uh, we you know we get our we get our people out and about, and and Bruce and Freddie um, head out, and they make they make a couple of stops. So the very first stop they make is Las Vegas, um, and this is where we get. So right before 
uh, he leaves. We get the joke uh, where the FBI woman comes up to him and says like, hey, you're cute. Do you have a boy? You know, Do you have a girlfriend? He makes the sex object joke. And uh, she gives him a necklace. And uh, as we see her put the necklace on him, we see that there's a hidden microphone in it. And uh, then he just then she just leaves. And he's like, oh, cool. I have a girlfriend. Great. And he's already forgotten what she looks like because she he sees her uh, in like times. a day. Repeatedly. Yeah. And still is like, who are you? And it's like, you for, just forgot me? That was like a day ago. Um, but so we, we get to Vegas. You know, uh, uh, Bruce, this is his first time in Vegas. He's never really gambled before. He made really terrible but funny dad joke where he was like, oh, yeah, a friend of mine's, you know, uh, uh, wife was was a gambler. She's like, yeah, she made uh, she made his uh, her husband a billionaire or a millionaire. He's like, but he was a billionaire before she started gambling. So it's like, uh, that's like Don Rickles, man. They're they're rejected Don Rickles jokes. I actually did laugh you, out loud at me, that. It was funny. It was a good dad joke. Was, I did laugh out. loud. They were no, they were I mean, they were quality dad jokes, but they they did. I I'm convinced that they came from like. Somebody stole Don Rickles' notebook backstage and was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're writing a movie. Yeah, so, th- uh, so this movie was actually written by uh, Johnny Yoon. He wrote this screenplay for it, um, as well as uh, Elliot Hong, who was the director. Um, and uh, um, David Randolph is, is one of the others who uh, David Randolph uh, has done a few things. Um, he was uh, he was a voice actor for Jennifer's Body. Random. Um, which is a great movie, by the way. Uh, he he's done a lot of voiceover work, which is really weird. He's done like star like all the Star Trek video games. Um, he just did like random voices in Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, Baby's Kids, which is just holy like, god, oh my god, yeah. Baby's Kids, wow. Uh, he That's was a, a voice actor in Ghost Dad, um, Gross Anatomy. Where where else? Um, yeah, he just done like voiceover work. Like he did voiceover, or uh, well, he did loop work, uh, loop group work, which is a more audio type work uh, for the movie Pacific Rim. No, to uh, the loop group. He did ADR for Now You See Me. Uh, it's just wild that he wrote this movie, but like, and then went off and did a, a bunch of voice acting. Um, I mean, Roger Ebert did write, uh, co write Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. So, you know. Dude, that movie is fuck, <clears throat> fucking weird. It, yeah, it is, yeah. Like, and that's the thing yeah. that always got me is that, like, you know, he's out there talking about people, like, oh, like this movie doesn't connect with you emotionally. It's like you co-wrote, you had one shot, and you <laughs> co-wrote Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Like, that's what you put out there. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so we're off on a road. We go to Las Vegas. Uh, uh, Bruce ends up with the help of Margot Hemingway, uh, who approaches him and, like, you know, tries to tries to be all cutesy and get on his good side. Uh, Bruce ends up winning a bunch of money, uh, a bunch of coins, which he takes back, you know, uh, Margot Hemingway's uh, character, which, by the way, her her name in the movie um, is uh, Carmen. So Carmen uh, takes her back, takes him back to the hotel room. He's off taking a shower. Wearing these weird glitter pants that, like, are, like, baggy, but yet only come down to her knee. Like, it's very 80s. They were, like, uh... They were like, uh, um, what, what are they called? Pantaloons? What are the, the, they like... were like pantaloons, yeah. yeah. And then, and then, like, immediately, as soon as he arrives in every town, like, the mob bosses of that town, which are always, for some reason, like, an ethnic stereotype, yep, like, we are, the... are like, oh, like, you know, 
It, it's like, this guy can't be in our town selling coke. Like, you know, like, Freddy, Mikey, like, uh, take care of this mook. And, and then shenanigans ensue. <laughs> shenanigans definitely ensue multiple times. Uh, so this is where we have the first instance where Marco Hemingway is, uh, or Carmen is going to swap out the coke. Uh, but in comes uh, our Anita, uh, who is our um, our FBI agent. And her and uh, Margot uh, kind of, uh, and uh, Carmen have have a battle. And again, probably uh, one of the best fight scenes. She slow motion kicks uh, <laughs> Carmen through like a lattice setup in the middle of this hotel. In the middle of the room, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, very fantastic. But on the other end, Freddie is in the hotel room next door and he is with a prostitute. And uh, <laughs> they're listening in and hearing these two women fight. And the prostitute's like, oh, I should have gone with him instead. Like he's, you know, he's, he really knows how to give it to her. Um, and of course, after a while, Freddie comes in to find, uh, Carmen and Anita in bed, um, worn out. And you see, uh, Bruce come in, you know, just wearing a towel and he's like, two women, what are you doing to me? Oh, you're killing me. What is happening? And finally he kicks the ladies out and nobody questions what is happening at all. Or the fact that Freddie should know Carmen, who Carmen is. That's that's also true, yeah. Also, like that's uh, his coworker's girl. Freddie just looked like uh, Kevin Pollock to me from hundred <laughs> percent. Like, I kept thinking like, like, like dollar store so Kevin Pollock. Exactly, like dollar store Kevin Pollock. Like I'm just like, oh man, now I want to watch Grumpy Old Men. Who <laughs> <laughs> was played by uh, Raph Morrow, uh, who has been in a few things. Uh, he's uh, um, he was in The Mentalist. Um, uh, what else? Kind of. That's about it. He really hasn't been in a lot. Oh, he was in House. He was in Pushing Daisies, Desperate Housewives. Um, Pushing what else? Daisies. Yeah, Love Hang it. Time. He was in Family Great Matters show. as like an extra. Um, yeah, he was in Seinfeld as an extra. So, he was in Melrose Place as an extra. A Jake truly and the Fat Man. Stellar career. Jake <laughs> and the Fat Man. Jesus <laughs> The crazy Man. thing about about Raph Morrow is I can't tell if if I recognize him because he looks like Kevin Pollak. I need Pollock to go what I, I whatever you're be- talking about. I need to go watch Moonlighting and Heart to Heart now. So that's uh, <laughs> man. What uh, Heart to Heart? That was uh, was that Bruce Willis or is that the Tom Hanks one? No, the Bruce Willis was Moonlighting. Uh, heart Moonlighting, to Heart. No, Tom yep. Hanks was in Bosom Buddies. Bosom uh, Buddies. That's right. Heart, heart. I forget who was in Heart to Heart, but it was another like one season wonder kind of. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't a uh, um, Pierce Brosnan, was that? Who was no, that? Uh, P- P- Pierce oh, was, Brosnan uh, was Robert Remington Wagner. Steel. Robert Wagner, yeah, it was Robert. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan Steel. was Remington, Remington yeah. Steel, yeah. yeah. Which was which was a good idea for that. That honestly was a good good idea for a show, Remington Steel. So I still, concept wise, I think th- I think that you could rework that nowadays. Yeah, you think so? So, so yeah, the whole happen. thing was was. Um, there was this girl who was overqualified. She she could run her own detective agency, but nobody would hire her because she was a girl. So Pierce Brosnan was the front. He was just a pretty face, the guy you kind of looked like expected to be a spy, and she would have him talk to the clients while she did all the actual kind of like work. Um, I vaguely remember this. So yeah, I mean, so I remember it, the show, but I that didn't... is a great premise. You no, know, it is a great thing. Yeah, and it was it was in the eighties and whatnot. So like, he's just essentially like a mimbo. And yeah. she's doing she's doing all kind of like the work and whatnot like and and it worked it was it was a bit ahead of its time and then he wound up becoming uh, James Bond in that kind of tradition of like you know ironically t- TV spies uh, become become James Bond so along with yeah. Roger Moore who was of course the saint as I'm sure you guys yeah. remember from the 1960s yeah, yeah obviously. I'm still over here thinking about William Conrad 
<laughs> AKA okay. the fat man. The fat man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, of Jake and the fat Jake man. Jake and thing. the fat man. Uh, okay, that's, so. Oh, so, can, can, the editing of this film was terrible. Go ahead. That's it. Just, <laughs> that's, that's all I say. There were so uh, I mean, many weird cuts in this movie. Like, And I was just like. They would just completely cut to a different scene, a different place, with like no warning. And I'm like, why? Are, like, it kept on happening during the fight scene. Like, it's like, hey, we're eating spaghetti. And then it's like, okay, here's different mob guys in a different restaurant eating. <laughs> and now they're getting yeah. shaped out of them by people we've never seen before. And now we're in a totally different area. It's just like, the editing sucked. Go. <laughs> well, so so that's a really great, a really great example of we talked about earlier about like how the the racism was very blanketed and it wasn't, you know, whereas a typical like, you know film like this is everyone would be you know especially if it was like a white person film with an asian star as everyone would kind of like dump their racism on just the asian person and that's kind of where it all would land you know like the stereotypical stuff but like the italians were always eating every time you saw an italian they were eating <laughs> Like at all I mean, times, and, and they and they and they talked like you know people doing their best Mario impression, like you know like oh it's yeah, it was, it was absolutely ridiculous every time, you know. And then and then they cut to I think it was in the Chicago one as they had the Jews. No, no that was, was Vegas. Like, Vegas. Oh, was that was the Vegas. Jews. No, no, yeah, that, and, he was, and he's eating me yeah. to like call my mom on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> That was a pretty funny one. And yeah, then it was, we it was had a really uh, bad, really bad Yiddish accent. Yeah, terrible Yiddish yeah. accent. It was a, I, tell me to call my mom on Tuesday. Um, eating uh, uh, locks uh, yeah. at the time on, yeah, on a bagel. On a bagel, which, yeah. yep. made me want a real bagel. I know. Oh, like so, sometimes you watch a movie. Like I, I watched Swing Time uh, the other day, which is which is a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers. It's a fantastic just dancing movie, lighthearted romantic comedy. And then like in the middle, there's this really great impressive scene where he's just got blackface caked on, and it's so incredibly racist. So like you know, they just they concentrate all into one spot. Mm-hmm. This film is the opposite. They kind of just like sprinkled a little bit everywhere. Like, the whole you know, fucking crop dust like, it. It's just like, it's like yeah. you know, so, so swing time, I'm like, hmm, this is pretty good. Like, ah, racism. Oh, geez. Whereas <laughs> this one's like, hmm, I just, I'm detecting there's just like a hint of racism in this. There's like, a hint hmm. of something. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, again, it was, it, it was spread across everything as opposed to kind of condensed to one thing. And it was all very light. Um, the uh, racism light, <laughs> racism light. It's the tab of racism. You're right. It's just like Joe Biden. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> please vote in two days if you haven't already. <laughs> but not really. Joe Biden's great. Anyway, so um, uh, but anyways, vote if you haven't already because you might be listening That's, to this episode like three days before. Leave that in the cutting room floor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I voting for Biden. I don't. <laughs> He's fine. I'm fine with Biden. Um, so they leave Las Biden Vegas. 2020. Like, like Cheryl Crow. <laughs> like Cheryl, they're leaving Las Vegas. They uh, So they leave Las Vegas, and on their way out uh, of Las Vegas, they get pulled over by very, like, Alabama cops for some reason. They're still in Nevada. But Have the you cops been are like, to Nevada? I'm not. Is it is it very Southern? All right. Your face says it all. Uh, I've never been to Nevada. I didn't think it would be very southern, but I guess here's it is. the thing, Michael. The South is everywhere. Oh God! I, is, you, is Nevada you leave like any those... major city and you're in the South. I don't care what part of the country <laughs> you're in. It's, that's wow. That's okay, fair. profound. Uh, is, is it like you know? Is it the kind of thing where it's like Las Vegas is like super you know liberal, and then like you go 20 minutes outside of town and like there's Confederate flags and like, yes, yeah, that yeah. is literally every state in the union. <laughs> I mean that's actually very true. So I not Missouri in, then. 
I mean, we know. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Missouri was in the Union, goddammit. Whether they wanted to be or not. Captain, Captain Quantrill <laughs> says otherwise. So, so they get pulled over by these two cops. And, of course, the cops, you know, they're... Uh, you know, they they instantly just think that uh, Bruce is Chinese. Uh, you know, Bruce unwittingly offers them all the money he won in Vegas, thinking they think it's a bribe. Um, he gives them, you know, he, he, you know, Freddie's nervous because they have a trunk full of coke. Uh, and, you know, uh, at this moment, the FBI, who has been trailing them, rescues them from this pullover attempt by chloroforming the patrol officers after after honey potting them away uh they, they did she did chlor- she hit them did she beat them up or like a can yeah, sure. yeah, yeah I mean, the, the, the one she, guy jumps out of the van yeah she tricked them over and her partners jumped out of the van and beat the shit out of the cops uh, so and okay, then so chloroformed right, yeah, them i remember being chlor- like oh like and she was talking in a southern accent for no reason like she's like hello boys like my my tire's slow do you think i'm slow weak <laughs> can we talk about how like this entire trip, the like Carmen in her sports car and the FBI agents in their van are like literally like the next two cars behind. <laughs> the entire also, time. that is like it's like the most eighties van. Like it's got like the wolf painting or whatever on the side. Like, oh, it's, it's great! Like, it is a hundred percent an Econoline crush. When you find out she's an FBI agent, like they do it by like you see like the mob boss's mansion in the background and like her van there but like it's the kind of van you would instantly recognize it's like it's like hey that like van with the giant wolf howling at the moon has been hanging out of my house for the last two weeks like <laughs> not conspicuous not it, inconspicuous at all complete flowers by irene moment like it was just completely just <laughs> great reference by the way <laughs> thank you yes uh, um but yeah, so so we get our our instances where they stop at all these places. They stop at a cowboy bar in Texas, um, and have a good old fashioned bar fight. We get more flashbacks to uh, you know kung fu style uh, the show kung fu um, style flashbacks to the grandfather being like, you know, oh hey, uh, if you ever get into a fight, always remember fight dirty, <laughs> kick him in the groin. Um, which I thought it was funny because it's very the opposite of uh, um, of of the show Kung Fu. Which, by the way, uh, fact about Kung Fu and Bruce Lee, uh, Bruce Lee actually uh, invented the show Kung Fu, and then it got stolen from him. Yeah, by he, the he, studio. he developed it. Yeah, and they and they yeah. cut him out of it. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Yoon was in it. Yeah, uh, for at least one episode. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, it was Johnny his uh, his his first acting credit in 1974. Nice. Wow. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I also particularly appreciate the scene where, like, um, some some street thugs uh, confront him outside of his residence as he's uh, gaining this reputation as a, a Bruce Lee reincarnate. And they're like, you're no Bruce Lee. We know you. You can't fight. And he has this flashback to his grandfather telling him, like, if you have to fight, use your, your brain, not your fists. And so he's like, wait what dojo did you, you train at? And the guy tells him, he's like, oh, I trained under the same master. You know, the code says that students of the same master must never fight. Like, I don't know that one. Is that true? And then one of the other guys who, like, takes off his jacket, and he's wearing the fucking, like, a white T-shirt with, like, Nazi stuff sharpied on it. Yeah. Uh, he's like, well, 
I studied under Master Tong. He's like, oh, well, then you two can fight. <laughs> he was like, like, oh, yeah, there you go. He's like, I think Cho's better than Tong. He's like, no way. And then they just they start fighting. Very, very I, funny. I was kind of curious why that racially diverse gang was like, oh, that's just, you know, Jim the Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's it's like why why is why is the black guy and the the Puerto Rican guy hanging out with the Nazi guy? This the seems, Nazi uh... guy. <laughs> they take off that jacket. Wait a minute. Wait, Jimmy, you've been wearing that shirt the whole time. Yeah, dude, I'm a fucking Nazi. The whole time I had you over for Thanksgiving, asshole. What the fuck? You met my mother. <laughs> you met my mother. What? You were the best man at my wedding, Jim. What the fuck? Why didn't I not know you were a Nazi? Like, I wear the shirt every day. What do you mean you didn't know? Rough cut of American History X sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Edward Furlong in the back crying and Drew like, I don't understand what's happening. Oh, my God. Fucking Um, Edward Furlong. Oh, boy. (laughs) What a train wreck. Oh, boy. This is not a movie. That was not a movie. It was not. (laughs) We did that. That was a movie that we did a long time ago. Go back and listen. Just don't. Actually, don't bother. Um, and for those of you that did listen, sorry. <laughs> they, they can't all be good. <laughs> can I Can I, Can I? I bring up something that happens when they go to Texas next that Please. bothered yes. me? So they go to Texas and through more just like, you know, bad, bad, uh, you know, like like second tier vaudeville jokes, Johnny Yoon winds up getting into, getting into a fight with a bar because... I'll play in the word sushi because there's a cowboy whose girlfriend's name is Susie, and he's like, oh, do you sell any sushi? And he's like, I like to eat sushi. He's like, Susie's my girlfriend. He's like, well, you should eat Susie, like like sushi. And then, like, the, the whole thing is just basically just making a really bad pun about that. So a, a bar fight stops. An FBI agent, like, the van drops her off. She hops out of the van. <laughs> yes. Then goes oh into my God. a phone booth, like, while wearing normal clothes. And spins around Wonder Woman style until she's in a ninja outfit. And I was thinking, like, why didn't she just get out of the van wearing that? <laughs> what? If you're going to change to a ninja outfit, what was stopping you from just leaving the van dressed like that? Of course, you know, like, the audience needs to know that it's you. So, like, that you have to jump up. But it just makes no sense that jump out, change clothes, and then run back into the bar. Along with the other girl, along with Margot Hemingway, who is just now dressed up like a cowgirl, but they don't recognize her for no apparent reason. <laughs> for no reason, right? Right. They, Nobody still does. Is this the thing that bothered you? You said you wanted me to remind you. Uh, no, no, we have we have not. It's it's at the very end that it bothers me. So like, we to the very end. Right, we'll let me know, and I'll tell you. Like, we're getting what, there. We're getting uh, like, there. Like 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 it just this it just, just I don't understand and and like it was just like. I would have been like, this was okay, but this this just was such a pet peeve for me that I have no idea. Like, it's a fundamental flaw for me. It was very weird. It was very weird. So, so at this point, uh, um, you know, we we've done the thing, and the very first thing now is is uh, Anita gets the actual opportunity to swap the coke out. Now it is actual flour. They get arrested, by the way, um, by after this bar fight. And everybody gets in the bar fight. And while this is happening, uh, they they rip the flower. It goes against a fan. And everybody gets fucking high as shit. And, and, and uh, Marsha Warfield is in the jail. Marsha <laughs> Warfield <laughs> from Night Court. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, which is also great. And, uh, and so everybody gets high. They go car surfing for some reason. 
and uh, which was a weird scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they go off, and then this is the the last part where where the coke gets swapped for flour. He delivers the flour. You know, the big L. You know, is like, all right, we're gonna test this out. It's actually flour. But at this point, Anita has caught up and let uh, and basically come into the to the hotel room and let Freddie and Bruce know that they have been. You know, well, Freddie knew, but she lets Bruce know that he's been duped. He he's been made a stooge. And what she wants him to do is to basically go through with the final exchange so that they can bust Big uh, Big L or Little Pete or whatever. Or, the, or not Big L. The Big Pete. Boss. The Big Boss, who is just the yeah. Big Boss. Fantastic. I don't know if they, yeah. I don't know if they give him a name. I just boss of bosses boss. is what he's credited as. Et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, Krusty, you're killing me. Um, Roma. <laughs> so, uh, so they go through with the final deal and uh, th- I mean, just absolute brilliant. The FBI agents are hiding in like garbage bags and like <laughs> boxes, and they just pop out of nowhere. All these white guys pop out with their dope mustaches and tight jeans and start <laughs> karate kicking everyone in the face. Just fucking phenomenal. And uh, and then Bruce all of a sudden does know martial arts, and he does like a couple of really good like punches and kicks on this dude. He does a fake kick to like distract them, and then the yeah. spotlights come on, and then everyone jumps out. He doesn't ever actually fight, and everyone is in fact kung fu fighting. So I think this is this is a scenario in which that song would play. Uh, I, I gotta say something. So so to give a kung fu analysis here, something that I appreciate about this film is like you can clearly tell that that like the hits are are. Like not real, um, yeah. Like that's that's obvious. However, like the angles they choose and things like that work well. So like they shoot, they for do. instance, like you know, where you are looking at Johnny Yoon. There is a bad guy from like walks up and Johnny Yoon like punches, and much of the action of the punch is kind of like through the camera angle and distance, obscured so you can't see that he's in fact like you know the the punch is like a foot in front of the person, but yep, like it yep. doesn't necessarily look like that. Um, but that that is like at least kind of like competent technique if you're going to shoot that. There are modern movies I see that don't do that. Like, yeah. th- there are movies where like you know like they choose an angle where it's very clear that no contact was ever made, but like the stunt person goes flying back, and they and they didn't do an angle that that successfully kind of like hid that. Because um, mm-hmm. if it's done well, like you know the, you know you know that the staging is there, but like you buy into it. It's not, it's not super distracting when it's done badly. It's super distracting. It was done really, really good. You're just like, Oh my God. Like, you know, that look, it hurt. Well, incredible. Like, so anyway. Um, yeah, actually there is a, uh, um, there's a really great, uh, series called every frame of painting, Mm. um, which, uh, talks about uh, cinematics, but there's actually one for Jackie Chan and Jackie Chan goes through theory, um, about how to show a hit on film. Um, per frame, like where do you cut your camera? How do you show so it actually looks like um, it's hitting? It's really, really cool. You can look it up on YouTube for free. Um, it's a pretty short little docu-series. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Jackie Chan one's really great um, because, you know, Jackie Chan talks about his theory of like, how do you show a punch? Like, how do you make a punch look like it actually hits? And how do you make it look like it hit hard? 
Um, and he goes through like frame by frame and he shows like, how do you cut the camera? Like, where do you stop? He shows examples of like how you don't do it. And he talks about how Hollywood, you know, as you said, Hollywood messes this up a lot where they never actually show the hit. You know, it'll be like, I'll go to punch. You'll hear the noise. It'll cut before the punch connects. And then you'll see the reaction. And he's like, no, you stop at the punch hitting and then you show the reaction. It's very, very cool. Definitely check that out if that sort of uh, a thing interests you. And I shall. And your shell. It's very cool. So, uh, so at this point, it's the end of the movie, um, and uh, you know, Bruce has has you know joined up with the FBI. Everybody gets arrested. You know, the whole spiel. Freddie is going to go off and go into witness protection um, because he's he's blown in the mob. And now uh, Anita takes Bruce and his magical scroll uh, because the uh, the dad the grandfather told him that the girl is in New York that he needs to go find this girl that's in New York and so off he goes uh, to find the girl and you get another really funny scene where he walks up with the scroll and there's an old Asian woman sitting on the bench and he was like is this her how do you know this is her and she's like no this is her and you look up and the girl is in fact the Statue of Liberty. Okay, so here, here is what bothered me. So here, here is, you don't need to remind me, because here we go. Why was the white woman reading the scroll written by the old Asian man? <laughs> so we are left with a choice that either, like, I mean, it was a map, and Johnny Yoon was so incompetent he couldn't read a map. Most plausible of all outcomes, I find, if this is what you're going to go with, like, he was functionally illiterate, or for some <laughs> reason, he can't read his own language, but this white lady, who's also a martial artist slash FBI agent, can, in amongst uh, amongst her many other talents, including, like, fast-changing wardrobe by twirling around. Like, it's just like, right. why are you reading the scroll? Like, what is, what is going on? What is in this scroll that has led you to take a ferry to, to Ellis Island? <laughs> To, to yeah, to like to, it's not Ellis Island, but yeah, like to whatever, whatever the island is that uh, that the Statue of Liberty's on. Um, it's just the, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that no part wrong. of that makes sense. Like, why is the white woman helping you read? Like, it's like oh, like then America will take care of you. That yes. that didn't age well. <laughs> No. Yeah, no. And then, of course, you get the weird animated uh, uh, statue of Liberty saying, "Don't forget, it's all about broads." Yeah, that was that was like eighty percent of the budget of the film right there. That's where they spent their money. Right. Uh, they call me Bruce. So worst, worst uh, American tale sequel ever. <laughs> <laughs> so it took him uh, so long, forty to, years, to even just and it was get to New York. He couldn't have opened the scroll and been like, oh, this is the Statue of Liberty. That's weird. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like what was in the scroll that he was unable to, de- to decipher it? Like, that's brilliant. Uh, so should you watch this movie? Yeah, no. I think you should. I think it's funny. John says no. I think it was a funny movie. I think it was entertaining. If you like, if you like the sort of like eighties humor, um, you know, think, think. Uh, I don't know the Cannonball Run. If you liked the Cannonball Run and those kind of movies, you'll find this movie cute and charming. I've seen worse films. Yeah. Oh, Every, everybody, everybody who made it tried. <laughs> they, they, yeah. they have. I mean, it was successful enough they made a sequel. Yes. They yeah. still call me Bruce. Yep. In 1987. Yeah. Five years later, they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Another one. Yep. But it went straight to video. So. <laughs> Even before DJ Khaled, they made another one. And another one. 
ridiculous. So uh, this movie is streaming for free on Tubi TV. Um, uh, if, if this is up your alley, definitely check it out. Um, uh, I think so. I think it was a fun movie. I, I had a really good time watching this movie. So um, I, I, I would recommend uh, The Last Dragon. Go watch The Last Dragon. Yes. <laughs> yes. The Last Dragon, indeed. I mean, you should go watch The Last Dragon no matter what. Um but yeah, so uh, we've got a we've got a whole month coming at you. Uh, I get five this month. I'm lucky, um, but I, get, uh, I got so, robbed. So next week we're going to do a movie called Freaks of Nature, and uh, I'm very excited about this one because this one kind of slipped under the radar. It's Joan Cusack in a movie where uh, it's a world where vampires, zombies, and humans all live together, but then aliens attack. And they must team up to fight the aliens. Ooh. Why would I not watch this movie as Joan Cusack? You sold me. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to watch a movie called The Fuzz, uh, which is a movie uh, about puppets. Um, it is basically Happy Time Murders uh, before Happy Time Murders happened. So I'm very excited about that one. You're going uh, to make then we me have, hate you this month, aren't you? Actually, this next movie I think you're really, really going to enjoy. It's called Escape 2120, and it's a time travel movie where a guy uh, uh, helps this team of scientists travel forward in time, but he ends up going way too far in time to a time where uh, civilization has completely reset, but they are waiting for him. Very crazy time travel movie. I'm actually very excited for that one. And then we're going to end the month with a Terry uh, Terry Gilliam film uh, called Jabberwocky. Um, so I've heard that's of Jabberwocky. yeah. So that's going to be a that's going to be a fun one. So not a bit not a bad month. I think it'll be. I think just the fuzz is probably going to be one where you're going to be like, what the fuck? But everything else, I think, is going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm uh, I'm skeptical. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, so John, thanks for coming and joining us. Uh, we My super appreciate your your takes uh, always. And uh, it's not um, true, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, we super appreciate it, and we will see you next week. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.